You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call 03-9419-8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. I'd like to thank Karina for pushing all the buttons to ensure this program is heard across Australia. Also, uh, my name is Joseph Toscano, as I said before. Uh, if you've got any questions or want to follow a few issues, you can always leave a message on 0439 395 489. Or you can uh, email us at info at anarchismedia.org or uh, info at pipcpibci.net. Now, don't expect an instant reply. We don't provide a service. We provide analysis and opinion. That's what the anarchist world this week is about. You know what anarchism is all about? Anarchos, without rulers, is about creating a society without rulers. Not without rules. What causes most of the problems we see in the world today? Inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to share power, possibly through direct democratic means, and to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. Exceptionally conservative concepts, things people have been struggling for since time immemorial. Now, we've reached a exceptionally important period in Australian history because we were about to descend into a barbaric age. I know it sounds over the top, but I'd just like you to listen and think. We are seeing a federal opposition led by Mr Dutton which is using a strategy of creating and maximising fear in the community. It's a strategy which widens the rifts which exist in Australian society today. It was a successful strategy which was used to defeat the voice referendum. Exceptionally successful strategy. And if you look at everything the Liberal National Party has been doing at the state and federal level, especially the federal level, it's about generating fear in the community. Fear of the other. Fear of the unknown. Fear of economic uncertainty. No solutions, apart from increasing authoritarian solutions, 
but increasing fear in the community. And what we need to understand is this type of policy, these type of policies, this type of strategy, which is an exceptionally successful strategy, which has been used in the past, is the type of strategy which creates situations in society which widen rifts which exist, which increase hatred and which ultimately lead to violence. It's a dangerous path that any political party follows. And a political party which is addicted to power, a political party which is there to promote corporate interests, the interests of the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and the communication, pursuing this type of strategy creates divisions, widens divisions and creates the potential for violence, increasing violence in our community. I'll give you an example. I mean, Mr Dutton thinks this is his pathway to electoral nirvana. This is his pathway. I mean, they used it unsuccessfully at the last election, but things have changed. Increasing interest rates, increasing economic uncertainty, increasing pressure on individuals and families and communities. And when you, that occurs, things break out in the most unusual way. Now, I'd like to thank all those people who joined me for the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations in Ballarat on Sunday the 3rd of December. We had an exceptionally successful day. But interestingly, the type of policy that the Liberal National Party follows has emboldened elements in our society who normally would live in the shadows to come out in the sunlight. And I'd like to explain why. A lot of people don't seem to understand the connection between fear, corporatisation and the rising tide of neo-fascism. Not just in this country, but around the world, especially in Western Europe, where we see parties with neo-fascist ideologies gain power or knocking on the door of gaining state power. And you know what happens when a neo-fascist organisation gains state power. All we have to do is look at Nazi Germany and fascist Italy or a Stalin's Russia to see what happens? Pol Pot's Cambodia. When you centralise power in a central authority and that centralisation of power is driven by an ideology. So corporatisation is at the very heart of the rise of neo-fascism around the world whether we speak about the United States or Australia or Belgium or Italy, it doesn't matter, or Germany, you're seeing this rise. So what, what, what is the connection? 
And what's it got to do with us in Australia? Corporatisation, the drive to maximise profits by a shrinking number of corporations, irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs, when governments step away from their responsibility to protect their citizens creates internal upheaval in sovereign nation states. When you start to export jobs to the lowest, to the country with the lowest, that's right, the country with the lowest uh, wage structure, non-unionised countries where workers are nothing more than disposable garbage, you destroy not only an economic system, but you destroy the glue that keeps society together. You destroy that cohesion because in Australian society, which is a private investment for private profits driven society, that's all the basis of Australian society in 2023 is, if you lose your ability to have an income, you lose your ability to do many things. You create pockets of not just poverty, intellectual poverty, not just economic poverty, social poverty, where people coalesce around ideologies and ideas which blame the other for the dilemma. And when you have major political parties trying to win power in 18 months' time on a platform which is driven by fear, you will see those elements in society that have been pushed to the shadows that were irrelevant in the past becoming more and more relevant because they begin to speak to sections of the population which have been disenfranchised, not just economically, but politically, socially and culturally. So we really need to understand the situation we find ourselves in instead of just, you know, feeling shocked. I'll give you a classical example. At about, ooh, just after midday on um, Sunday, we just finished our ceremony at the uh, Eureka Graves at the old Ballarat Cemetery and I was coming back to Trades Hall for a bit of a snack in Camp Street. I was told by the uh, secretary that there were these people in balaclavas with a big sign saying, I think it was um, Australia for the white male, about 30 of them, all dressed in black, marching in unisons around the streets of Ballarat. So I thought, oh, this is interesting. So I decided to go down there, right? That's my decision. I'm not going to drag anybody else into this. It's my decision. I go down there to see what's going on. And I get to Bakery Hill. And near Bakery Hill, I see this line-up of balaclava 
you know, gentlemen, maybe one or two ladies amongst them, who knows, marching down, three abreast, down the, the street, chaperoned, and that's the key word, not escorted, chaperoned by the Victoria Police. And I'm thinking, oh, this is interesting. So I decide to stand in their way, one individual, right? Because the only thing you need to fear in life is fear itself. And this is why I'm talking about fear today, whether it's fear, which is artificial fear, which is created by political parties or fear, which is created by something you see, because ultimately it's fear itself that paralyzes us. So I stood in their way, okay? Refused to move as they come marching down. Now, obviously, they've got three options, and obviously they're not stupid. They can knock me over, and then I'll get arrested, or they can part and walk past me. Well, obviously, after a little bit of hesitation, they parted. I stood my ground, got a few um, chicken wings in the uh, ribs, but that's, that's irrelevant, and they went past on their merry way taking photographs, obviously, of this, 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 this nuisance. That's me. And then comes the <laughs> coup de grace. They turn, a few of them turn around and say, class traitor. A badge of honour. A total badge of honour. And then you're thinking, what are they talking about when they talk about class traitor? To them, class is about the colour of your skin. The whiter you are, the more important you are. Remember the banner is Australia for the white male. Now obviously, obviously not wanting any white females in their organisation means they breed themselves to extinction in a generation or two, but that's a different matter I won't go into. So class based on the colour of skin. The type of garbage which was peddled, not just in the 20s and 30s, but the type of garbage which was our foundation document in 1901 when the White Australia policy was passed by both Houses of Parliament with only one objection. One objection. So here we have what I described as neo-fascist toy boys, because that's all they were, little toy boys. You know, half of them wouldn't have, would have been teenagers, although they're all clad in black. Little toy boys marching up and down the streets of Ballarat with their balaclavas on. Now, you would think that after I've been through this, there'd be a little bit of police intervention, OK? Now, obviously, the police who were as I said, chaperoning these lovely people through the streets of Ballarat, showing them the sights. One of them pulled over and put his window down and asked me and told me not to aggravate them. Now, I'm not making this up. This is a comedy skit, I tell you. It was a comedy skit. I had to laugh. Don't aggravate them. That's what they want. And then he ordered me to piss off. He told me to go away. And then they continued to, uh, you know, chaperone these lads up and down the streets of Ballarat. Now, what we saw was a total lack 
of police action. This is not new when it comes to the neo-fascist toy boys in Melbourne. They seem to be a protected species as far as the Victoria Police is concerned. Now, every law in the book was broken. They started off by going to, and this is, this is their intellectual abilities, by going to Sovereign Hill to harass the staff. And they attempted to harass the staff at the Eureka Centre. But the whole point about the exercises, one was to create a pr- propaganda video for recruitment on their basis, but it was to create fear in the community. So we've seen a total failure of police accountability. Them saying, oh, oh, we didn't have the power to ask them to remove their balaclavas. What a load of shit. Now, I'm sure most of our listeners, or some of our listeners, have had interaction with the Victoria Police. And the fact is there were many laws which were being broken in terms of creating fear in the community. They could have been contained. They could have been asked to identify themselves because they're posing a risk. They could have been drug tested. They could have been alcohol tested. They could have been arrested for creating fear in the community. But no, no, the Victoria Police, and I don't blame the blokes on the ground, the men and women on the ground, because obviously they got orders from fire up, had made the decision to allow them to parade around for two hours the streets of Ballarat spewing hate. This is not a matter, as the Police Association says, of them not having enough powers. The Victoria Police have extraordinary powers in terms of moving people on, asking for identity documents, arresting people on suspicion, um, creating a public nuisance. I mean, I could go through this for hours. So what we saw was a total failure of the police to protect the people of Ballarat. Now, the people having picnics with their children who were subjected to this type of garbage... Yeah. And what I found extraordinary was the the lack of interaction by the people in Ballarat to what was happening on their streets, because obviously they expected that the police would do their job. Okay. Now I don't normally don't ask people to do much on this program, but this is a total failure of policing in Victoria. Total failure. As far as the neo-fascist toy boys are concerned, they're neo-fascist toy boys. You know, they work in the dark. You know, if they can beat you up in the dark, they'll do it. That, that's their philosophy, you know. Philosophy is the colour of your skin is, you know, what drives them, okay? Obviously, there's a few wannabe adults you know, trying to lead their little little toy boys. But the fact is, this is not a this is not about the fact that Dutton and his and his fear mongering creates the opportunity for the neo fascist toy boys to come out of the shadows into the light. It's about the fact that parliaments pass laws to protect citizens and the police being selective in who they prosecute 
as far as these laws are concerned. Could you imagine if 30 people in um, headscarves were marching up and down the streets of Ballarat saying, victory to Hamas? You'd have the bloody helicopter gunship there. I'll give you another example. I'll give you another example for how it works. On Monday, or it could have been yesterday, I think it was yesterday, this lad in Windsor, which is near um, Windsor Station, was threatening self-harm, okay? Common thing. Happens all the time in a city of five and a half million. We had police helicopters. We had the Sons of God, you know, the Special Operations Group with their funny little uniforms and big, big guns. We had dozens of police. We had police cars. You name it, it was all there. All there. There they were to protect the citizens from this potential problem. But when it came to Ballarat, nothing. No police helicopters. No containing the menace. No applying the laws. Now, it's all very well for me to blame the police on the ground. Now, I don't blame the police on the ground because they're basically following instructions from higher up. But there are a number of things we can do in this situation, which you can do. I've done my bit. It's time you did your bit. The first thing you can do is you can contact the Premier's office and demand a parliamentary inquiry into the lack of police response to this brazen attempt to increase tension in the community by exploiting racial divisions when there are all supposedly all this legislation in place to protect people. Could you imagine if you're an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander or if you're somebody from Africa or Asia and you see these people, you know, marching around saying Australia for the white male, throw the rest out? Now, they did forget as, you know, as they were coming towards me, I did try to explain to these gentlemen and possibly one or two ladies that, you know, these little kiddies, the toy boys, there were Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders here first, and what were they going to do about them? But that's a different story. So the first thing is we need is a parliamentary inquiry into the police response. Not just in Ballarat on the ground, but the police response to the neo-fascist menace in our midst. Because it seems to me they're a protected species. Now, in other situations, the police say... Oh, oh, we had to keep the warring sides apart. We were there to keep the peace. The fact is there were no warring sides. There was just one little old idiot, me, standing in their way. All right? I'm sure other people did what they could in Ballarat. There was no organised response to the neo-fascist menace. No organised response. So the first thing we need is a parliamentary inquiry into the police response. The second thing we need, and that's up to you to fight for and organise. The second thing we need is we need the police commissioner to apologise for the police failing to protect the people of Ballarat in this situation on the 3rd of December. We need an apology from the police commissioner. Now look, at some stage... The next morning I did a very, very short interview on Gippsland ABC. 
And as soon as I started to, you know, um, go beyond the fascist, the neo-fascist toy boys and speak about the police response, they did everything they could to cut me off. Although they invited me, I don't usually ring them, they invited me to comment on the situation. Because these people created fear, real fear, amongst workers at Sovereign Hill, amongst workers at the Eureka Centre, amongst people enjoying an afternoon picnic, people wandering the streets of Ballarat. No response. So the least that they can do, instead of talking about their stupid laws, which they never apply unless it suits them, the least they can do is hold a parliamentary inquiry into that lack of response. And the least the Victorian Police Commissioner can do is actually apologise for that lack of response. Now, obviously, the Victoria Police is a large media unit, like most of these people do, and they'll try to deflect it. The other thing you can do is you can ring up Bloody Trades Hall in Melbourne and say, the Police Association is part of Trades Hall. Suspend them for a few weeks. Or ask them to explain the lack of response from their members. Extraordinary, because the thing about, you know, the thing about life is nothing really changes. Human history is replete with the same story. You know, when good people do nothing, evil flourishes. It's very simple. And if we leave that responsibility to a police force or a, or a government that's not willing to act, that actually creates fear, manipulates fear in order to improve their political uh, advantage and gain state power, then we get what we deserve. So the issue isn't the neo-fascist toy boys. The issue is the government response. The issue is the police response. The issue is the community response. And the great thing about the 24-hour news cycle is within 24 to 48 hours, it all disappears from the public memory. To repeat it again, it reminds me of what happened on the 3rd of December 1854 in Ballarat. On the 3rd of December 1854, most of the killing wasn't done by the soldiers. It was done by the Victoria Police, which had been formed the previous year in 1853 for two, three hours they ran through the Eureka lead, the goldfield at Eureka, the Eureka lead, burning tents, killing people, stealing gold. And on the 3rd of December 2023, they chaperone neo-fascist toy boys through the streets of Ballarat who are creating fear in the community, not willing to intervene in any way. I could imagine if there were 30 bikies going up and down, there'd be a bit of a hassle. Or 30 Hamas supporters. I assume there'll be a, the Australian Defence Force would have been down there within 10 minutes. Well, you get the type of society you deserve, ultimately, because democracy is not just rule of the people, by the people, for the people. It's rule of the people, by the people, for the people, by an engaged public. And when the public isn't engaged... Evil continues to grow. It sounds like a sermon, doesn't it? But I keep telling people, and that's why I'm fascinated with history, is nothing changes. We may have wonderful technology which centralises power. We can do gene editing. 
but we can still find ways of killing thousands of people. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano, so hopefully you do your homework. All right, let's move on. The New Deal. Buying Australian privatised war bonds. You see, in the good old days, like in World War I, and this is where the industrial workers got into trouble, the government was encouraging people to encourage them to invest their money in war bonds to assist the war effort and they would get a and and the way they advertised this was during the war is you'll get a greater return for no risk that's right you're not on the front being shot and mutilated a greater return for no risk by investing in a war bond now i nearly fell over yesterday and uh, i don't fall over easily except when i trip over things obviously I nearly fell over. I was listening to, I think, the, def- I don't know, it was Defence Procurement Minister, some some particular, I don't know what his name was. Not that I care. I mean, these losers. But the New Deal. They're looking, you love this, the government, our government, your government, poor old Mr Albanese, they're looking for a private corporation to be established by the private superannuation industry, which is based around people investing their future, right? Their superannuation in a privatised, in privatised, what can only be described as privatised war bonds. Come on. Come on, this is the new deal. Is this the best you can come up with? And obviously they use the usual nationalist shit to uh, say it's for the country's defence. It's not about the country's defence. It's about the defence of the very corporatized world which creates the conditions which destroy people's lives, which help the growth of neo-fascism, which is based on the simplest thing of actually pointing to somebody who looks differently or speaks a different language. Just extraordinary. Just extraordinary. That's the best they can do. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, when we talk of unbelievable, let's talk about the atrocities that there's occurring in Gaza. Look, I don't use the word war. This is not a war. This is a slaughter. Irrespective of how it's painted, this is slaughter. You have 2.3 million people in a little place, half the size of Canberra, quarter the size of Melbourne, right? 2.3 million people who have been enclosed in a wall for 16 years once since they elected Hamas into power, okay? That was their decision, all right? Okay. Now, it's fascinating to see the way the war is reported in this country. And I can understand why ABC journalists and maybe even a few of the corporatised journalists are a little bit pissed off. Because what we are seeing is justifications for atrocities 
which would never, never be accepted anywhere else in the world. Could you imagine if the Russians were conducting this type of campaign in the capital city of Ukraine? Could you imagine, which is double the size of Gaza, could you imagine the reaction in the West if this was if this the Chinese were doing this? Say in Hong Kong. Could you imagine the response? Now I'm always it's always lovely to listen to um, how shall I put it? Apologists for the government of Israel, in Israel, you know, especially the, their armed forces, you know, heroes, heroes and heroines. Let's not forget that. Heroes and heroines. Doesn't matter, you know, your gender. Anybody can hold a gun. 16,000 dead. Now, nobody's denying that Hamas broke out and killed 1,200 Israelis in the most despicable fashion. And nobody's denying they've taken hostages. But there are supposedly laws regarding atrocity. 16,000 dead, 7,000 children. Could you imagine the outcry of 7,000 children in Canberra were killed in a bombing campaign, irrespective of what the Canberrians did before that. You know, I just wonder how many Palestinian civilians do you need to kill before you kill a Hamas militant? I wonder. See, see, this is not just about slaughter. This is about humiliation. People can deal with death. The people of Gaza are used to dealing with death. They're used to dealing with the Israeli authorities. And irrespective of what happens in the next few weeks, they will deal with the occupation in their way, as they have done for decades now, over 70 years. This is about humiliation. This is about destroying the infrastructure of 2.3 million people. This is about destroying hospitals and mosques and churches and residential areas. This is the Guernica of the 21st century. Gaza has become the Guernica of the 21st century when we saw the world turn its back on the Nazis and Italian fascists introducing a new form of warfare where the civilians were the main casualties, where the city of Guernica was obliterated, basically through air raids. This is the Guernica of the 21st century. But instead of reacting, these, I'm talking about governments around the world, not people. People are reacting. People cannot put up with the horrors they see every day irrespective of the censorship that occurs 
in the corporate-owned media in this country, in the government guild at ABC. The images are filtering through. This is atrocity on atrocity on atrocity. Every so-called rule of war has been broken. And we see governments like the United States government and the Australian government continue to throw their support behind the Israeli military saying they, Israeli, Israel has a right to defend itself. Fine, it has a right to defend itself. But does it have a right to slaughter indiscriminately its opponents? Does it have that right? When you see the Red Cross lose words in terms of describing the horror which is faced by these people, the Gazans, you begin to understand. And when you see the lack of response, the lack of response because of the fear which has been generated in the Middle East because of the United States' support for these atrocities, you begin to understand that fear becomes the main obstacle. This is about humiliating people, humiliating our people. It's not about killing Hamas. It's not about eradicating Hamas from the Gaza Strip. It's about humiliating the Palestinian people so they will never rise up against their occupiers. The fact that people are pushed from corner to corner, the fact that they're bombed constantly, the fact that they're starved of the basic necessities of life, the fact that over 50% of residential homes have already been destroyed in Gaza. This is about humiliation. That's what this slaughter is about. It's got nothing to do with self-defence. And ultimately, it has nothing to do with the hostages because the Israeli government has made a very important decision. The hostages are disposable collateral damage. All they're doing is creating another generation of Hamas militants or militants under another name, Palestinian militants, who have become so brutalised could you imagine eight, nine, ten-year-old child who survives this? They've become so brutalised. The next step in this continuing resistance against Israeli occupation may make the current situation look like tame in comparison. Well, what can you do? Well, there is something you can do. You know, you can demonstrate and they just say, ah, oh, well, you're demonstrating, we don't give a shit. You can demonstrate till your foot's sore. You can demonstrate till you get sunstroke. You can mass in your tens of thousands, we don't care. We should be directing in a different way. Obviously, continue to demonstrate. But we should be demanding that the Australian government recalls the Australian ambassador from Israel to highlight the Australian people's disgust with the current slaughter. That's another little thing you can do, all right? It's all very well listening to me. I'm just one 
you know, powerless, totally powerless individual. But you're not. Change the direction. Demand the Australian government recalls the Australian ambassador from Israel. Demand that the Israeli ambassador is chucked out of the country. It's not about Hamas. It's not about is. It's not about this Israel. This is about war atrocities. We would have reacted differently in any other part of the world, but not in this part of the world because they're our allies. And as I've said before on this program, there are good nuclear bombs when we use them and there are bad nuclear bombs when they use them. There are good atrocities when we're involved and there, you know, that you can justify and there are unjustifiable atrocities when it's their side. Come on. At least recall the Australian... If you haven't got the guts to chuck out the Israeli ambassador to Australia, at least recall the Australian ambassador from Israel to show our displeasure with the slaughter which is occurring in Gaza. Listen to the Atticus World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscan. I'm hosting today's program. You know, this gets better, you know. I can't believe, what a week. What a fascinating week. Now, you're under the impression, aren't you, that the Australian government is in charge. Uh, you're under that impression, aren't you? Yep, yep. Well, do you know there is legislation which will be passed by both sides of the houses, by both major political parties in the next, in the next session next year, which is going to remove, you'll like this, I like this one, is going to remove the ability of the Treasurer to direct the Reserve Bank. Now, there has been legislation in past, in, in, in force since the 1950s, although it's never been used, that gave the Treasurer the ability to direct the Reserve Bank. I think the only time it was partially used was during the Fraser era in the late 70s. But now we're going to have legislation passed through Parliament which is going to give the Reserve Bank total immunity from Parliament. Now if Parliament are the representatives of the people, why would the Australian Parliament want to give away the last, its ability to heal in the Reserve Bank if it goes overboard. It reminds me of the Kerr situation when, Gov- when Kerr was appointed as Governor-General and was able to dismiss the duly elected government. I mean, what's the point of having Parliament when you've got institutions which are created by Parliament which have total total autonomy and cannot and cannot be you know brought to heel if they get out of control just extraordinary now let's go back to this fear because I'm really fascinated with the way 
the Australian media gets caught up in, how shall I say, generating hysteria in society. Now, the High Court, in its wisdom a few weeks ago, makes sense if you live in a democratic society, decided it's unconstitutional, though it decided in 2004 it was constitutional, it was unconstitutional, to hold people in detention indefinitely. So we've got a problem, okay? If I'm an Australian citizen, I go, I'll go out there and do a bit of raping and murdering, okay? Just to pass the time. You know what it's like when you get bored. I get caught or give myself up because I've got a conscience. Well, maybe I haven't. I get sentenced to 30 years imprisonment. At the end of 28 years, I get parole and I have some parole conditions and they chuck me out, you know. And if I follow the parole conditions, I'm free. I've paid my debt to society as far as the justice system is concerned, as far as the laws are concerned. Now, if you're not an Australian citizen and you're a bit of a bad boy or a bad girl, and you don't even have to be a bad boy or a bad girl, you can just be detained because you came here illegally. Let's not forget that, right? And the government can't deport you because the, the country of origin says, oh, come on, mate, we don't want this trash back in our country. It's your problem. He's there. You deal with it. So what they did is they detained them indefinitely because they may commit a crime, okay? And the High Court forced the government of the day to release 148 detainees, most of them with minuscule, minuscule misdemeanours. And the important thing is they'd all served their time. They've served their time, okay? If they were citizens, they'd be on parole or whatever. Now, when they were released, we saw this hysteria created as if every child was going to be molested, every woman was going to be raped, and every man was going to have his cut, his throat cut by these 148 detainees uh, who served their sentence as being released to the community. Then we saw our the fearmonger, Mr Dutton, very effective policy, generating fear in the community, helping those in the shadows to come out and put up their Australia for, you know, for the white male banners up, you know, the Duttons of the world. Could you imagine it? Yep. We're all in fear. Now, 148 have been taken away. They've been released. They're on parole, whatever. Now, three of these people have gone before the courts. One in New South Wales for the heinous crime of possessing cannabis. Don't we have part political parties in Parliament that want to revoke cannabis laws? But fear... Fear in the community. This bastard has been released and now he's been caught with some cannabis. Unbelievable. Then we had another bloke in South Australia has been released. Seems to be a bit of a nutcase. Not that I'd know. What would I know? Has been arrested for uh, allegedly assaulting women. All right, two women, I think. And then we've got somebody else in Melbourne with an intellectual disability, and let's not forget that, who's been arrested for violating his 
parole conditions. Now, if you look at any day, you go to any magistrate's court or county court, mainly magistrate's court, you'll see a host of Australians go through court who have violated their bail conditions. Is there chaos in the community? Are we all worried about what's going to happen to us because of these 148 rabid dogs, as far as Mr Dutton is concerned, that have been released in the community? And the media beats it up. To me, seeing 30 balaclava lads and lasses, mainly lads, march through the streets of Ballarat as if there's some military unit and seeing the Victoria Police chaperone them through the streets is a much more dangerous situation than this. But no, that's fallen out of the headlines. It's all about, you know. So, so you see, fear's very hard to counter. We saw it with the African community in Melbourne where Dutton said that it was, it was so dangerous that people wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't go out to restaurants. Come on. You can't keep a Melburnian who's got a buck in their pocket from a restaurant. I can guarantee you that. I've been in this city for over four decades and I know restaurants and Melburnians go hand in hand. I mean, you couldn't keep them away. There was barbed wire around the bloody restaurant. But again, it became... A media. And see, 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 you've got to understand, you've got to understand that the almost, how shall I say it, almost useless Albanese-led Labor government is seen as a threat. That's right. A threat, could you imagine that? It's seen as a threat by the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Because maybe at some stage they'll pass some little piece of legislation which will impinge on their profits. So there are all these elements in Australian society which are working feverishly to increase fear in our community, to increase divisions in our community, to widen the rifts in our community, and they have do not care about the consequences All they care is about maintaining their position of dominance where the political party which is in power is the political party which will take its direction from the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. If you think I'm talking shit, think about this. Think about this. There are 25 million on this planet. Not on this planet. The planet would be helpful for only 25 million. 25 million on this continent, right? 1.2 million, not my figures, living in poverty. We now have private charities in this country advertising on social media and television and radio for good Aussie citizens, you and me, the good people, who obey the law, pay our taxes stand up to oppression, hope for a new world, us, to give them money so they can send Australian kiddies to public schools. They've got enough books, enough food, enough clothes. Come on. Have we been reduced to this so that we can, you know, 
look at our superannuation balance and say, wow, when I retire, I'll be in a position to pay for my own retirement. Oh, come on. We're better than this. We've always been better than this. But we've blinded now by the private investment for private profit mantra. Rents go up, mortgages go up, we shrug our shoulders and work harder. And that's what allows the neo-fascist toy boys to grow. You've got the Duttons of the world promoting them. You've got the corporate world creating the conditions which promote them. Come on, we're better than this. But the fact is, it doesn't matter what I say. What's important is what you say. To your friends, to your neighbours, to your enemies. What's important is who you stand up to. There's no point bitching all the time, complaining. There's no point being, you know, a member of the somebody should do something about that tribe. And there's no point being a member of the gunner tribe. Democracy, rule of the people, by the people, for the people, is based on one important principle. And that is an engaged public. And when you have every sector of society being privatised in order to maximise profits for private corporations, then you have what we have today. That's what you have. You have the neo-fascist toy boys marching around. You've got 1.2 million children living in poverty. You have people who couldn't even, even vote to give Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander some non-binding constitutional powers. Extraordinary. Well, this is Australia in 2023. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. My name is Joseph Toscano. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. You can write to us. Yes, unlike Australia Post, we still take letters. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. YouTube channels, Joseph, um, public interest before corporate interest, josephtoscano.nam for us some um, presentations of the 19th century radical politics in Australia. Things don't really change. Uh, web pages, uh, anarchismedia.org, another web page, public interest before corporate interest. You can... Uh, you can join online. We had a little bit of trouble, but now our our constitution is up there. You can click, look at the constitution, join. doesn't cost you anything. It's about time we began to fight back, not f- just physically, but intellectually, morally and culturally. While you live in a bankrupt society and you're willing to accept that bankruptcy of ideas, then you get what you deserve. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program will be, be podcast, uh, access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Listening to the Anarchist World this week, next week on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday 
Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger! We know you love listening to 3CR, but we also know that many of you haven't downloaded the Community Radio Plus app yet. The app lets you tune in anywhere and share the station with your friends. So, show the love and share the love and search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.